seconds left. Hardy with six. Hardy on Brown. Hardy with three. With two. Hardy reverse slam is gone. 1.2 left. St. John's 12 with 14 from the field in this second half. Hans again. Also in the ball game. Champagne, you're kidding me! Another three for Julian Champagne. You are now listening to the Eye of the Storm podcast. What's going on, Johnny Nation? Welcome to episode 30 of the Eye of the Storm podcast. My name is David Barov, and for the last few episodes, you have heard me say that we are going to use this podcast as therapy. We're going to get through this together. We're going to lay on that couch. We're going to listen. We're going to talk. We're going to vent. And hopefully at the end of it, we are better off for it. Well, it doesn't seem like Dr. Ben Sobel is walking through that door because St. John's is doing their best impression of being Paul Vitti. The anger issues, the temperament, the uneven play, there is plenty of reasons to be in therapy right now. Whether you're a St. John's fan or this program as a whole, it needs help. Of course, I'm talking about the great 1999 comedy Analyze This, but I digress. For 20 minutes against Marquette on January 3rd, dare I say there was a bit of hope. St. John's was hungry, playing with energy, and looked like a completely different team than the one that got blown out in New Jersey by Seton Hall. The huddles were noticeably more together, with arms interlocked around everybody's shoulders. The play on the court felt like it was being done with intention and purpose. And then, within minutes of the start of the second half, the other shoe dropped, as St. John's would lose to Marquette 96-85. to Waiting for the other shoe to drop is just no way to live as a fan of a program. Sitting there with a lead at halftime, just waiting to see if, or even worse, when, this team will blow it is simply no way to live. It is not fun, it is not fair, and it is not good for your health or mine. But that's exactly the reality of this situation for us St. John's fans right now. St. John's gave up 96 points to Marquette, the most ever inside Karnaseka Arena, formerly known as Alumni Hall. To give up the most points ever since 1961, that's 62 years, is just demoralizing. For a second straight game, we saw a different starting lineup. Posh Alexander was coming off the bench. Dylan Adai-Wusu got the start, along with Mathis, David Jones, Omar Stanley, and Joel Soriano. And Wusu would lead the way at point guard, something we really haven't seen much this year. Shockingly enough, I think he did a great job slowing things down. St. John's got a lot of great looks early on. Marquette is known for what they call havoc defense, so slowing things down and not allowing them to get into their press was a really nice change of pace, and I thought it was really effective. Joel Soriano was active. Omar Stanley had a dunk. Posh hit multiple three-pointers, and not only was St. John's getting good looks, but they were making them. Heck, Teresa Traore checked in early on as a reward for his hustle and energy, according to Mike Anderson. He hit a jumper and then turned the ball over twice, but St. John's looked better. This looked like a much better team than the one that we saw last Saturday in New Jersey. They held a seven-point lead through about nine minutes to go before allowing the Golden Eagles to go on a little run to cut it to one. This was bad defense and poor rebounding, allowing Marquette to get offensive rebounds and us just simply not securing the ball. That would be the theme. 
The Johnnies would punch back, though. They did show some life and went on a 7-0 run of their own. St. John's and Marquette would trade a few baskets. AJ Store then hit a three and put the Johnnies up nine. Omax Prosper, who was fantastic, would quickly get a layup and hit two of his 29 points. And this is where the pivotal moment happened, in my opinion. AJ Store would hit a three in the corner with five seconds left. That would have put St. John's up by 10. But he had a foot on the out-of-bounds line, and it ends up being a turnover. Psychologically, let's just think about it from that perspective. Psychologically, that would have put St. John's ahead by 10 and sent Marquette into the locker room down by double digits. In basketball, there's a lot of psychology involved, all right? Being down by double digits feels like a much bigger mountain to climb than just seven, which is what the score was. So it's 48 to 41, and you're going to halftime. At the half... Marquette said they didn't even talk about basketball. According to Shaka Smart, according to the players, they didn't even talk about making adjustments on the court in regards to actual basketball play. According to them, they just had to change their energy, their hustle, and how they were working as teammates. As I walked around at halftime and into the red-white club, I was speaking to some friends. For the most part, everyone was pretty encouraged. The defense was bad, but the energy and effort looked to be a lot better. Everybody was just happy just to see that fight. There wasn't a slow start, and there was a stark contrast again from the Seton Hall game. That's the last thing that we are looking at. Yet, there was this sense of wait and see. There wasn't supreme confidence. There was a wait and see. How can you fault anybody, though, right? We've seen the collapse happen three straight games in spectacular fashion. So everybody was like, eh, all right, let's see. Can they put another 20 minutes together? And boy, were they right. We come out of the break, and by the under-16 media timeout, A seven-point St. John's lead was a four-point Marquette lead thanks to a 13-2 run that would eventually be 18-2 if you count the last bucket in the first half. Omax Prosper hits two threes, including one as soon as the half started to give them that jump start. Stevie Mitchell had two layups, Cam Jones hit a three, and an and-one by Tyler Kolek, and boom. Not only is your lead gone, but you have no momentum. All your energy and good play is gone. You pair that with some really really bad shot selection to start the half and your lead evaporated in get this two minutes and 50 seconds the worst part for me was that i was walking around at halftime and i was telling a few friends how happy i was with the shot selection in the first half st john's shot 65 percent in the first half do you know how hard it is to shoot 65 percent in a half and only be up by seven points defense optional Omax Prosper hits a three, followed by a bad shot by David Jones, which led to a Mitchell layup. That was the 5-0 run that just started the spurt out of the half. And you would think a 5-0 run when you're only up by seven after a bad shot, based on everything that's been going on lately, based on the last three losses, why didn't Mike Anderson call a timeout there and why didn't he try to stop the bleeding? Has he not been paying attention? Hasn't he been there watching this movie, the last three Big East games? Hasn't he seen us blow leads and allow runs that buried us in these last three Big East games? Wasn't he there for the 17-2 run against Villanova? Wasn't he there for the 16-0 run against Xavier where he was mic'd up for all access? Wasn't he there while Seton Hall used a 22-8 run to laugh us out of the Prudential Center? So why did he allow Marquette to gain momentum and not call a freaking timeout and learn from his previous mistake? Mike Anderson has been a head coach in college basketball for over 20 years. He should know better by now. He literally has the evidence from the last three games to go off of. You want to know how you blow leads and shoot yourself in the foot? Seven turnovers in the second half. 
sending the other team to the line to make 16 free throws and doing nothing to stop them from scoring in the paint to the tune of 16 points on layups and dunks. That's 32 points right there in the second half for Marquette. That's not to mention the seven threes that they hit also. Four by Prosper, two by Cam Jones, and one by David Joplin. That is 53 points in the second half. Literally, their only other points came by an Igadaro jumper. They killed you in the paint and from three. There was no mid-range necessary because St. John's never tried to take either away. They did the same thing over and over and beat St. John's to death with it without St. John's and Mike Anderson making any kind of adjustment. Another question I'm posing. Why didn't we go to zone to try and take the three away? They took one freaking jumper from inside the arc in 20 minutes. You want to extrapolate that to the first half? Marquette hit three threes in the first half. 11 field goals were dunks or layups. Three were jumpers. They made four jumpers all game in 40 minutes. You have to adjust to what's happening. And St. John's and Mike Anderson simply did not do that. Get this. St. John's lost the game. They lost yesterday. After shooting over 51% from the floor, 47% from three, and scored 85 points. How many times has that happened in the last 30 years of college basketball? It can't be a lot. St. John's turned the ball over 16 times yesterday. And Marquette scored 26 points off of those turnovers. St. John's led by 9 and lost by 11. All because they did not learn from their own mistakes. Once again, that starts with coaching. The defense was atrocious yesterday. Atrocious. Capital A. And even the head coach agreed because he started his press conference basically by saying our defense was terrible. No kidding. 96 points in your home gym. He said he thought his team would be further along at this point in the press conference. Your team would be further along at this point. January 3rd, and you're on a four-game losing streak because you haven't made any adjustments. He said they preached getting back on defense and to stop the fast breaks, and the players simply didn't. Somebody who did score and has done so all season, I feel like I say this time after time, But Joel Soriano had a huge game, 22 points, 13 rebounds, and his 13th double-double of the year, which once again leads the entire college basketball landscape. After the game, he was obviously dejected, said that the team in the locker room was very frustrated, and he said, we have to finish games out. We played a great first half. We have to play better defense. They killed us in the second half on three-pointers. We knew they were going to come out with more energy in the second half. It's really on us. We just have to play harder in the second half and play better defense. I thought Dylan Adaiwusu played not only good point guard, but I thought his energy was really good. He had a career-high night, 21 points, 5 assists, 3 rebounds, and 2 steals. David Jones tallied 13 points, but shot 5 of 16 from the floor. The two threes that he hit were really smooth, but man, he is somebody who loses confidence so early if the ball isn't not only in his hands, but going in. He is forcing so many shots. He goes one-on-one into traffic and attempts bad layups far too often. Posh Alexander came off the bench. No idea why, but he scored 11 points, had two threes, four rebounds, five assists, three steals. It's been his best game in a while. AJ Storr played 17 minutes, so up a little bit, but he only contributed three points, one rebound, and one assist. And when we talk about AJ and we've asked for AJ to get more minutes, oftentimes he is just simply too stagnant on offense. Perhaps he is just still learning how to play this game and how to play in 
whatever Mike Anderson's offense is right now, but he is just standing in the corner and not moving. If that's by design, it needs to change. If that's by his own decision, it needs to change. I have to assume that's what the staff wants him to do right now because he's shooting over 41% from three, but we need to see him slash and cut more to the basket. He is way too dynamic of an athlete to just sit at the three-point line. Let's get to one of the elephants in the room. Prior to the game, it was announced that Andre Corbello was suspended for the game for not meeting team standards. This after not starting against Seton Hall. After the game, Coach Anderson was asked about it, and he said, you have to adhere to team policies. That's all. And he wouldn't say anything else. Publicly, there are no details available. But if you watch the last four games and his on-play court and sideline behavior, you could speculate that there's some kind of a disconnect between Andre and head coach Mike Anderson and or this staff. Again, I am just speculating. I don't know. To make matters worse, Andre was apparently seen in a hoodie and a mask and was trying to be incognito in the stands like Bobby Valentine in his mustache with the Mets on June 9th, 1999. You remember that? When he was ejected in the 12th inning against the Blue Jays? He was then seen in the back of Coach Mike Anderson's press conference. It's not a good look. Things are bad enough with the losses surrounding St. John's right now. This kind of behavior from your from a player, let alone your point guard, somebody as talented as Andre, just makes things that much worse. Don't give people extra things to point to and, and try and say that there is other issues in the team and things causing losses. I mean, that's the last thing you really want. Again, we don't have any concrete information. We'll see if there's any more disciplinary action that comes ahead of this weekend's game against the Friars. You know, I left the arena on Tuesday night driving home mainly in silence. As fans who are starving for a winning basketball program, it's just really frustrating to watch a team do the same thing over and over and over and over again and get the same results. Just doesn't make any sense to me not to see any changes being made on the court. Albert Einstein said the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. This fan base has suffered so much and suffered enough. We deserve better. I feel for these players. I feel for their families. Going through a rough stretch like this brings out the worst in everybody. Obviously, emotions are running high. Feelings are boiling over, and it's so easy to misplace anger right now. If there are not a few wins that are coming very soon, especially when there's at least 16 games left in the season, 15 regular seasons, and at least one in the Big East tournament, things are going to get uglier, and they are already quite unpretty. I know it's the reality because there's a lot of season left, but we shouldn't have to keep asking, well, is this team going to respond? What kind of St. John's team are we going to get in the next game? Because every time we talk about the actual game, we're talking about bad play, bad defense, and not being there to respond from being punched in the face. This team has struggled all year with adversity. They have struggled all season with being able to take another team's best punch and getting back up off the canvas. We can't simply keep looking ahead, because what are we looking ahead to? Providence on the road, Butler at home, Yukon on the road, Nova at the Garden, Creighton on the road, Georgetown at the Garden, Seton Hall in Carneseca. That gets us to February. How many of those are you confident St. John's wins right now? At 1-4 in, in the Big East, which ones of those are you confident in saying you're going to win? If you're generous, you're 3-4. and four. More likely two and five. This team has given you nothing, no reason to be confident that they can pick off some wins they shouldn't. And it has very little to do with the actual talent that's on the court. This roster has talent. This roster has guys that can get the job done. We've seen it in spurts. But this is a team that is right now very obviously missing 
leadership and direction. And I'm not talking about leadership on the court. These kids need to be shown what to do. These kids need to be coached. These kids need to be put in better positions to utilize their skill set as five on a court. This isn't the NBA where you can just roll the ball out and let their talent take over. You got to coach these kids. You got to switch defenses. You got to implement good habits and smart IQ. Otherwise, What are we doing? It is frustrating times in Queens, and there doesn't seem to be an end in sight. St. John's is now 11-5, 1-4 in the Big East, and is on a four-game losing streak. Their net ranking is 107. Their Ken Palm rating has fallen to 79. The national media is starting to take notice. Everybody is asking what in the world is going on at St. John's. Everybody is asking and everybody is wondering if Mike Anderson can fix this. Unfortunately, we have quickly gone from talking about St. John's 11-1 start and talking about them getting into the tournament and being a team that could be at the top half of the Big East to talking about a St. John's team that has no quality wins, that hasn't gotten their quad one win, that has rolled over and died so far to start Big East play. And we are now talking about, do they even get invited to the NIT? Because the tournament seems like a long shot. Back in August, when we were talking about the Dominican Republic trip, this is not what we were supposed to be talking about in year four. This is not what we were supposed to be talking about in year four of Mike Anderson's bunch. Not with this roster, not with this experience, not with this talent. And we are talking about the same old stuff about St. John's not living up to expectations, St. John's not getting it done, and St. John's potentially missing the postseason again for the fourth time in Mike Anderson's tenure. To say things are dire would be an understatement. Their next test will be at Providence on January 7th against Bryce Hopkins and Ed Cooley's bunch. St. John's is 3-3 all-time against Providence in the last three years under Mike Anderson. And man, do they desperately need a win. Thank you for listening. I appreciate it. We'll see what happens next. Until next time. You've been listening to the Eye on the Storm podcast. Go Johnnies!